Welcome to the Pro AV Podcast, brought to you by MarketScale. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin. Doing a video conference for business meetings used to be a pain. The connection was faulty, audio wasn't clear, the camera angle was never right. What was the point? Easier to just hop on the phone, right? But the desire to communicate efficiently, clearly, and face-to-face with business partners across the world never left people's minds. And now, video conferencing is an industry standard that's continuing to grow. Joining us today to talk a bit about the innovations in video conferencing and what he sees for the future is David Maldo, founder and CEO of Let's Do Video. David, how are you doing today? Great. Thanks for having me here. Yeah, thanks for coming on to tell us a bit more about what you've seen in video conferencing and how things have changed in the past few years. Before we get into that, I guess I want to know a bit about video conferencing in general. What kind of challenges do you face when trying to set up quality video conferencing? It's funny. The answer to that, to that question changed over the last few years. Now it's, it's pretty easy. But a few years ago, if you asked me the same question, I would say you better get a consultant, some IT help, AV experts. It was really challenging. And that was the problem. And that's why it's so exciting that things are changing now. It really has gotten very much easier and very recently. Did the issues come from a mix of software, hardware, and coordination between teams? The problem was that video conferencing was a lot more challenging than we thought it was going to be. Back in the 60s, when the, the Jetsons cartoon was on TV, you know, they all used video conferencing instead of the phone, and that made sense. And that's what we thought was going to happen. We thought AT&T, actually in 1964, I think, AT&T debuted the first video conferencing system at the World's Fair. And everyone said, this is amazing. You could see the person you're talking to. It's the year of video conferencing. We're going to rip out our phones and put these in. But it turns out video conferencing wasn't an upgrade for the phone. It couldn't use the same network. And we didn't have the internet yet. So we had no way for video conferencing to work. It used too much data. It was too complicated. And then when we finally got the internet, we said, hey, now we could have video conferencing. But it was still hard. It was, it was so hard to make it work. And we were so excited about the potential that when the first video conferencing systems hit the market, they were very fidgety. It took 15 minutes to get a call started. And sometimes the audio didn't work. And sometimes the screen share didn't work. And if you bought a video system from one company, and you wanted to talk to someone who bought a video system from another company, they didn't talk to each other. All phones talked to each other. The video conferencing systems didn't talk to each other. So we had no interoperability between them. They were very expensive. You needed an IT expert sitting next to you to dial the call for you. Could you imagine if every time you needed to make a phone call, you had to bring in an IT expert to take your phone and dial it for you? That's what it was like. And people said, you want me to just stop my day and get up from my desk and leave my office and go to this meeting room? and sit there for 10 minutes while you try to get a call to work, I got work to do. So video conferencing was, was really challenging. And amazingly, all of the issues have been answered over the last few years. We now have all of these great interop services. I could be on Skype. You could be on a polycom system. We can talk to each other. There's services that connect them now. It's easy. You walk into a meeting room and it'll say, David, here's your calendar. Press a button to start your meeting. You don't need an IT person to help you. And the quality is there now. We're not five minutes into a call saying, I can't hear you. This isn't working. Your screen froze up. The internet's bad. Let's get on the phone. And it's not just that the quality has gotten good in the last six months. It started getting good like four or five years ago. So we don't have to convince people, no, video conferencing is good now. You could try it. People are like, oh, yeah, I've been using video conferencing. It is good now. So to to wrap this up, since 1965, we've been saying it's the year of video conferencing. It's the year of video conferencing. 
And now it finally happened and we're almost afraid to admit it. We don't want to look dumb, but it really has been, well, the last few years, the years of video conferencing. And that's really exciting, the fact that the technology has finally reached a point where it's stable, it's secure, and you know people can feel like it's a productive option. It's not something you have to go out of your way just for the convenience of seeing the other person on the other end. Because at that point, you know, if it's too much of a hassle, just pick up the phone. But now where it's at that point, you know, people can have that luxury of being able to communicate digitally, virtually face to face. But yeah, it, it just improves the communication. It's actually a double whammy. Actually, whammy is a negative word. It's a positive whammy. We have a double positive whammy. Half of the whammy is the fact that the technology is finally there. Those of us who have been who have been dying to use video conferencing, who have gotten it all along for years, have been saying, "I don't like the phone. I want to use video." The tools are there for us. The other whammy is the fact that culturally, there's a lot more people who are ready to use video conferencing. Five or ten years ago, when I started in this industry, I'd say, "Hey, let's meet on video. I'll send you an app. You put it on your desktop. You log in." People say, "Oh, no, no, too complicated. I don't want to do video. I just want to use the phone." We weren't ready. Now everyone uses video. It's not just the show-offs. It's not just the AV nerds. Go to YouTube. You know, there's grandmas showing how to make cookies. Uh, they're not video people. They're grandmas. But that's how you tell your story now. That's how you share your life. That's how you communicate. So if we're using video at home all the time, when we get into the office, I, how can I communicate effectively with my partners and my clients and my customers if I can't see them? So we're ready as a culture and the technology is ready. And it's happening at the same time, which is really exciting. You said it hasn't been in the last six months, but it's been more over the course of the last few years that things have gotten better. But I guess recently, what have been some trends in the industry that you've seen have propelled video conferencing to the next level? Sure. There, there are some big trends and some you know, more specific trends. Uh, an overall trend that I'm liking is the fact that we're starting to see video as a feature as a part of our workflow and not as a product. When I used to cover video conferencing, I would literally, I would cover it the way you would, you would review a toaster or a television. A video conferencing company would send me a box and inside it would be a, a video conferencing product, you know, a camera and a little computer to make the camera talk to, you know, other video conferencing systems, a speaker and a microphone. And I would set it up as you would set up any other product and I would do a product review. And that's what video conferencing was. It was something you bought in a box and your AV people plugged in and set up for you. Now we don't think of video that way. When someone says, I want to add video to my workflow, they're not saying, I want to put a camera in this room. They're saying, when I talk to my clients, I want to see them. When I meet with my team, I want to see them. When my best salesperson is across the country and we're doing our sales meeting, I want her face on the screen. I want her to be part of the meeting. I don't want her to be listening in on the phone. So you notice we're not talking about protocols. We're not talking about oh, you know, you should use SIP instead of H323 or, or WebRTC. That sort of stuff is becoming invisible to the user. We don't care how it works anymore. What we care about is this is how I do my work. These are the people I meet with. These are the people I want to see and I want it to happen. It's just a feature as part of our workflow. So it's a much different way to look at it. And that makes it a lot more flexible and a lot more effective. That, that's sort of a big trend. We also have technology trends, which may not be as big of a deal, but are really exciting. Uh, one thing I'm loving that is intelligent cameras. We started seeing them a year or two ago, and now every manufacturer is coming out with them. For people who don't do a lot of video, it may not seem like that big of a deal. Who cares if the camera is smart? Why does the camera have to be smart? And the reason is, for ever since the beginning of video conferencing, video conferencing solutions came with remote control. 
and that remote control moved the camera around. And theoretically, you'd be sitting in your meeting and the person on the other end would say, I can't see you good. Could you zoom in on yourself? And you'd pick up the remote control and you'd fix the camera angle. So it really, you know, captured whoever's talking properly. Problem is no one used the remote control ever, ever. No one was comfortable touching it. No one wants to break. What if you hit the wrong button and you end the call? It, it, no, I'm not, I'm not going to mess with the settings on my boss's $20,000 video conferencing system. So however the IT person set up the camera, that's what you saw. And if, if you get the top of people's heads, if, if, it's, if they're cut off, if you see two out of three people, if they're all the way at the end of the room and it's not zoomed in, we've had all of these video meetings with these terrible, terrible angles. People don't look good on camera and no one wants to bother to fix it. So finally, we have these intelligent cameras and all they really do is they take that remote control away. They're smart enough to say, oh, the person on the left is talking. I'm going to zoom the camera over there. Or, oh, no, now everyone's talking. I'm going to zoom out so it captures everyone. And it's also fun because there's like four or five different approaches to this. Sometimes with the technology, there are some companies that are using audio, beam microphones, and zooming the camera where they hear the voice coming from. Some look for lips moving. Some look for the shape of humans. Because, you know, if, if someone's turned around, they still want to see if you're talking. Some look for movement. There's all these different ways of doing it. It's going to be in the next few years, we're going to hear back the consumers. They're going to say, we like this approach and the rest of the market is going to have to follow. But regardless, meanwhile, we are now having better meetings. Now, when you call someone, if they have one of these intelligent cameras, they're going to be full screen. You're going to be able to see their facial expressions. They're not going to be at the back of the room. They're not going to be off camera. And the thing with video conferencing is if a better experience, more people want to use it. So those sort of things are very exciting to me. So yeah, it sounds like the technology has reached a point where pro-AV providers who have you know video conferencing capabilities all can more or less offer the same tech. They're sort of a standard now. But it sounds like what sets people apart is the experience. So would you say that people providing these video conferencing tools are looking for ways to make their experience better than the competitor's? The game for integrators and resellers, which, which are really the heart and soul of the AV industry, has definitely changed. And, and by that, I mean, you know, they're the connection. We have the vendors and we have the, the end users. The end users really don't know, do I need a, a camera from this company or that company? You know, which video service do I need? They really don't know. They just know what they want to do. And the integrators are the ones who say, yeah, you should buy this camera. You should buy this whiteboard. You should buy this monitor. And that's what they really were for a long time. They were, we would call them integrator resellers because reselling was most of what they did. But there was a value there because they were the experts. But now we're going way beyond reselling. Now when an AV person or um, an integrator goes into an end user, and this is what they're telling me they're doing and this is what they should be doing, which is what I hope they're really doing. They're not saying, okay, what are you looking for? Oh, you want to outfit two meeting rooms? Okay, you need to buy two whiteboards, three cameras, and 10 microphones. That's the old way. Now they're not, they start with the team instead of the room. They don't say, oh, you have this room, you need a camera. They say, okay, what teams are meeting in this room? Oh, it's your sales team. Okay. Do they do a stand-up meeting or a sit-down meeting? Okay. Do they share their files on their laptops or do they like to present it up on the wall somehow? Is it a, a round table or is it a leader-driven meeting? The way the meeting works is important. Then once we understand that, we could say, okay, in order to support that, you need these capabilities, not tools, not products, capabilities. You need the ability to share these sorts of files. You need the ability to put this sort of data up on the wall somehow. 
need the ability to meet with people who aren't there, you know, bring remote people in. And then the very, 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 very last step is, okay, so now we have the tools to do that. This software package solves this problem. This piece of hardware solves this problem. And now we're putting it all together for you. But it's a complete reversal of the story. We used to walk in and say, check out this new product the vendors came out with. Buy this product, make your people use it, and they're going to be productive. Now product is the very last thing we talk about. Now we start with the user. And I think the result is, instead of teams being told, use these things and be productive, teams are being told, how do you want to work and how can we support it? And the end of the day, that's going to make everyone a lot more money. That's so exciting. I love seeing how every industry is pushing more towards becoming personalized and creating an experience for the user. I mean, you see it everywhere. And the fact that it's making its way into something like video conferencing, which is important to get business done. You know, when you go to work, you want to see the people on the other side. You want to be able to communicate effectively. The fact that the pro AV industry is bringing that mindset into it is definitely some exciting stuff. So another piece of technology that I think is kind of a buzzword is VR and AR. And with video conferencing, I feel like people might connect the dots and say that's the next step. Do you think virtual reality or augmented reality have a place in something like video conferencing for businesses? Yeah, absolutely. And I'm not sure what that place is yet. And there's definitely some hurdles. Um, No one is going to sit in a meeting room with a huge headset. That's just ridiculous. You know, it has to be yeah, some they have to get rid of the glasses or just make them small glasses or something, but no one's going to wear a headset sitting in a room with five other people on headsets. To talk to the one person who's not there. What really got me hooked on virtual reality, what made me realize it's more than just a gimmick, but it's an experience was I, I was demoing one. I tried one out and I'm in this little cartoon world and I'm walking around and figuring out the controls and there's other little cartoon creatures walking around. And one of the cartoon creatures kept waving at me. I'm like, why did they program that thing to wave at me? And then I realized it was another person. And it was someone who worked for the virtual reality company. And he was tapping to his headset. And I realized I didn't have my microphone on. So I tapped my headset in the same space. I said, hey, I'm John. I work at the company. I see you're new. By the way, you're walking around. Can I show you around? And I followed him around. And he showed me how everything worked. I'm like, oh, wow. Okay. There are serious business implications for this. Not for a typical video conference meeting that we think, you know, you're sitting in the meeting room and there's a few people calling in remotely. That we don't need VR yet, unless we find a way to make it natural. It's just too awkward. But for demoing, for showing things, for virtual tours, millions and millions of business applications. The AR side of it, that I think we're going to see in meeting rooms. That's different because you might not need a headset. That's something that can happen on screen. If you're meeting with me and I'm talking about, I don't know, I work for Tesla and I want to show you the new Tesla car. And all of a sudden, a 3D model of the Tesla shows up in front of you and it's spinning around. You know, it's not really there in front of me, but it feels like it's there in front of me. That we could do without headsets, that we could do without goofy glasses. Uh, That's actually happening right now. And that's really exciting and really fun. It's one thing to show a a flat picture of my new product. It's another thing to have a 3D model spinning in the air in front of you as you're talking to me. There's problems, but it's way, way too exciting and fun to ignore. Right, exactly. So the last topic that I wanted to bring up is as these systems get more advanced, 
they get more integrated, they get more connected. And I feel like a big conversation with IoT has been security. As things get more connected, there's more of a chance for hackers to come in and disrupt the entire system. Do you think that there's a conversation of security needed with video conferencing as it gets more and more advanced? It's funny, security is this big trade-off between security and convenience. We want security then we find out something's easy if we give up a little security and we say, oh, yeah, let's do it that way. I, I saw a meme on the Internet a few days ago, and I'm probably going to mess this up, but it was something about how 10 years ago they told us, don't talk to strangers on the Internet and don't get into strangers' cars. Now I have an app on my phone that finds a stranger on the Internet who drives up to my house and I get in his car. <laughs> you know, Right? I mean, it's the complete opposite. Security, from a user point of view, security is terrible. It makes things difficult. It doesn't let me do things I want to do. But obviously, our, our IT persons are not putting the security there to make our lives difficult. They're trying to protect us. And with all the new regulations in place, it's getting more and more you know, important to take care of those things. Um, security really kind of hindered the video conferencing world for a while because we used to call it on-prem. And what that meant is we had these things in our offices, at our locations, you know, big enterprises, in the IT closet. And it was called a video bridge. And what a video bridge is, it does is it connects the calls. So Think of a well, think of a conference call on the phone. We're all familiar with that. If I want to call you, I dial your number. If we want five people on the phone, we don't call each other. We call a conferencing bridge. We call this other number that's none of us, and we all meet there. That's what a video conferencing bridge is. If I'm not video one-on-one -on -one with you, if we have three or four people on the video, where does that video meeting happen? It happens on something called a video bridge. And companies would buy these and keep them in their networks. So that any video calls, the audio, the video, the file shares, all of that data never leaves a building. It wasn't connected to the public internet. That's where you get the inconvenience. It was very secure, but I want to call my client. They're outside the firewall. Nope. Call them on the phone. Oh, could I have a little less security? So there's been this battle of do we keep video conferencing on-prem or do we take advantage of the cloud? If you use a cloud service, whether it be Skype, BlueJean, Zoom, Starleaf, any of the ones that are out there, Videxio, you don't have to have that expensive box on your network. And then I call the cloud, you know, for meeting on Skype, I'm not really calling you. I'm calling Microsoft and you're calling Microsoft and they're connecting us. Well, what do we do? We have to trust that Microsoft isn't listening in and they're not. They would get in so much trouble now, especially with everything that's coming out. It really comes down to a matter of trust. You have to trust your cloud provider. You can't control your own data anymore. You can't do on-premise video conferencing. You have to get out there. It's not yours to manage anymore. You have to have a little faith that whatever cloud service you're using, whether it be Skype, BlueJeans, you know, Zoom, Videxio, any of the others, you have to hope that they're doing the wrong thing, no, the right thing. <laughs> I know they spend millions of dollars on security, getting uh, ahead of these new regulations, but it is still a concern for some companies, especially some uh, government companies, some government agencies. They still can't use cloud. They still have to use the on-premise thing. I always try to think from the user point of view, I see security as a big headache. People just want to talk to each other. But you got to respect the IT people. All they're doing is trying to protect the company and protect their data. Right. And I feel like people will shy away from software or companies that they don't feel like have their 
best interests in mind. So I think naturally, it's just part of the conversation. These companies and these softwares are going to want to make sure that their network is safe because that's going to attract more business and more people are going to come and feel safe using their video conferencing network. So yeah, I think it's just an integrated part of the conversation. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. If you talk to anyone at these companies and say, you know, hey, all my calls are going through your your house, basically. You know, you ever listen in on me? They look horrified by the suggestion. <gasps> we would never do that. You know, we, we have it set up so that we can't do that. Oh, my goodness. How you, you don't even suggest that. You know, that's not that's not what they're about. Uh, you know, other aspects of security are, are hackers. You know, what if an evil third party is listening in? For, so let's say we trust our cloud providers, but there's a lot of malicious people out there. It seems like a legitimate fear, but I've never heard of it actually happening on these calls. And, and most video calls are just encrypted by default now. Even if you are a savvy enough hacker to pick up the signal, I'm not a hacker, I don't know how this stuff works, as it's going through the internet, if you could tap it, you wouldn't be able to unscramble it and read it. I've never heard, you know, nothing's, nothing's impossible, but I've never heard of someone taking, tapping a video conferencing signal and being able to listen in on it. It's just the encryption is, is far too good. What is a, a bigger security risk is people just, I don't, I don't think this happens a lot either, but it's, it's just more possible. Uh, what if I have my meeting room set to auto answer and you know the dial in for my meeting room? Because I always use this. I don't change the code in my meeting room because it's always, I want to make it easy. We're having our five o'clock meeting. Everyone call in. It's the same link you used last week and the same link you used the week before. Someone clicks that link. They're looking into my meeting room. What if a bad person gets that link? And they click into the meeting room at seven o'clock when no one's there and they control the camera and they zoom into the whiteboard where I have my strategy for the next quarter. You don't hear about it actually happening, but it definitely could happen. Someone can get an email. Emails get hacked. Someone could find a, um, a code and someone could just dial into a room and just watch you. Scary stuff, but easily solvable. You can make systems so that they don't auto answer. If you're sitting in the meeting room and someone calls, it'll blink and say, you know, yes or no. Do you want to answer? Problem solved right there. And if you like keeping auto answer on, just you could just put a, a shutter over the, the camera so no one can see unless you open the shutter. Easily solvable, but it is a legitimate risk. You should be aware of it. It's just an easy conversation to have with people about these are the risks, but if you have them in mind, then they're easy to solve. It shouldn't be something that's always hanging over someone's head. Well, David, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I really enjoyed talking with you about video conferencing and where it's been and where it's going. And I, I think the future is bright for it, and I'm excited to see where it goes. All right. I really appreciate this opportunity. This was a lot of fun. And thank you, everyone, for listening to today's podcast. And if you'd like to find out more or listen to previous episodes, you can head to marketscale.com slash industries and subscribe to your favorite articles, podcasts, and video content from your favorite industries. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin. Till next time.